Hi, I'm Nell McShane Wolfhart. I've spent over a decade helping people make big choices and improve their lives in the process. In my new Audible original, The Decision Coach, you'll get a front row seat to real-time decision-making. I coach people through the toughest choices they're facing, showing them how to get unstuck and move forward. Each session is filled with plenty of actionable, useful tips to help you get better at making decisions in your own life. Go to audible.com forward slash decisions to binge all six episodes and find more inspiring listens by signing up for a free trial. Again, that's audible.com forward slash decisions. I remember just becoming so full of emotions, yelling, cussing, like being so overcome with just like anger. I just was in disbelief and I just so hurt and shocked. In a single sentence, can you tell me the decision you want to make today? Yes. Um, I am looking to decide if I should reach out to my biological half-sister that I just recently in the past few years discovered I have. Chelsea has always wanted a sister. Every time my mom would get pregnant with another kid, I'm like, please let it be a girl. And it was never a girl. And I was like, please, like, please give me a sister. When she was 21, she got her wish. Just not quite in the way that she had hoped. My mom and dad had told me that the dad I'd grown up with my whole life believing was my dad and my biological dad was not, in fact, my biological dad. Um, Another man was my dad. And I was a different ethnicity than I was told and led to believe my whole life. There was another surprise, too. Her biological dad had a family of his own. He'd had other children, um, including a daughter who was born not too long after I was born. And she messaged me on Instagram just saying, hey, like, I would love to get together and get a coffee. The sister Chelsea had spent her life longing for was suddenly there, right in her DMs. But now that Chelsea actually had an opportunity to get the thing she'd always wanted, she didn't know if she could or should reach for it. In this episode, we're tackling secrets, complex family matters, and how to take action even when you're terrified. I'm Nell McShane Wolfhart, and this is The Decision Coach. In my work, I often help people make really emotional decisions. The stakes might not be obvious to others, and on the surface, they might even seem pretty straightforward. But they take the decision-maker to vulnerable places, and things don't always unfold the way you'd expect. And that's what happens with today's guest, Chelsea. I remember having somebody in high school... A member of the school staff looked at me and my brother and said, are you sure you're not the milkman's baby? Chelsea had always looked different from the rest of her family. Everyone growing up was always like, you're, you look light-skinned, you look mixed, like you have to be. And I'm like, no, my dad has part native roots, so that's where the tan and textured hair comes from. And I would look at my family and my siblings and be like, it makes no sense. Why do they get these features? Why do they get green eyes and blue eyes and freckles? And I don't. Chelsea didn't question what her parents told her about her heritage. But it was hard to escape the feeling that she was different. So she grew up feeling out of place and confused. 
And then, when she was in her early 20s... One day, my mom took me. She's like, hey, we need to go to Home Depot to pick something up. We got in the car. Then on the way back, she was, like, talking to me. She's like, yeah, so when I was younger, you know, I was, like, I made some mistakes. And, like, I met this guy. And, you know, she told me about how it all went down. And I just was like, like, it was just so much confusion, so many emotions. And I just remember we stopped at a red light. And I just got out of the car and just, like, walked. I was just walking. I was crying. I called my boyfriend. I, like, found a park and laid down in the grass and was just crying. I'm like, I'm sure this is going to get, like, I'm sure this weighs heavily on her. You know, she was a child having a child and dealing with all these things. Like, I feel really awful just, like, leaving when she was just trying to, like, be honest. Chelsea's mom told her that her biological dad was Jamaican and that she had been a teenager when Chelsea was conceived. My mom and my biological dad met in high school. He's um, a few years older. And when my mom told my biological dad that she was pregnant, according to her, he said that his family wouldn't accept a half-white child. And then uh, he kind of just disappeared from there. Chelsea's mother said her biological father had seen her a few times, but the last time had been when she was a toddler. He had chosen not to be involved in her life. And Chelsea, once she got used to this devastating news, felt mostly angry. Like, I can understand being an 18-year-old kid. You messed up. You cheated on your girlfriend with my mom. Now she's pregnant. You're like, oh, no, what do I do? I can understand that. Like, we all panic and make poor decisions, whatever. But now you're a grown man with other kids. So why, why did you not find it even just to, just to check in? Like, I don't, I'm not asking you to be my dad just to be like, hey, like, I helped create you and bring you into this world. I just want to apologize for abandoning you. And then she decided to track him down. So how did you find your biological dad? I had actually impersonated him on classmates.com. I don't know if you know the website. It's um, <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah. Genius. Uh-huh. So I just I just created his profile after getting some information from my mom, like like his name and how old he was. I just kind of assumed with the age that she told me he was at the time, um, what year he would have graduated. And then people started friending him, him, quotes on the on the website. Chelsea asked some of these friends to pass her contact information on to her biological dad. It worked. He sent her his phone number. They started texting. Chelsea was cautious, but gradually opened up. Then they decided to meet. They arranged to get together at Jack Astor's, a Canadian bar and grill chain that serves burgers, nachos, and, of course, poutine. I just was waiting, like, in the waiting area for him to come. And then, like, he came in and he brought me, like, a little gift, like, a little, like, stuffed bear. I was like, this is what you give to, like, a little girl. And, like, it made me cry. Because I'm like, it kind of, to me, represented, like, what my childhood could have looked like with him present. Teddy bear in hand, Chelsea slid into a booth with her dad. And they talked for the first time. I just had so much anger I wanted to confront him with. But then talking to him, he was actually a very nice guy. And I was also trying to keep in mind that he was 18 at the time. So I'm not going to hold against you what 18-year-old you did if the new you can, like, be accountable for the things that you've done. And they had things in common. Chelsea had always loved music. Her dad was a DJ and performer. She felt a connection with him, and he told her about his other children, including a daughter who was around Chelsea's age. Okay, so when he 
brought up the fact that he has another daughter that he thought you would get along with. How did you feel when he said that? Very annoyed because I think he brought her up like on our first meeting multiple times. Mm -hmm. He's kept being, oh, you remind me so much of her. Like, oh, gosh, you guys get along so well. Like the way you talk is just like her and she loves music, too. And she loves it. And like, that's nice. I'm trying to get to know you. The way he talked about his other daughter, Coco, didn't make Chelsea feel warm and welcome and special. Coco was in pageants, was a brand ambassador, really seemed to have her life together. Hearing about all her achievements made Chelsea feel kind of bad about herself. I didn't go to university. I don't. I haven't been in all these beauty pageants. I haven't done this and that. And it just made me feel even worse because I'm like, okay, well, you must be a really supportive and like present dad for her to do all that. And I didn't have that and that great of a support system growing up. So like, I also felt jealous, like a lot of jealousy came with it. Hearing about her half-sister stirred up a lot of feelings Chelsea wasn't expecting. Knowing her biological dad was involved in Coco's life just reminded her how he'd been absent from hers. Still, Chelsea kept trying to forge a relationship with her dad, but it never really took off. One of the last times they saw each other, he continued to talk about Coco and how she and Chelsea would get along. So Chelsea let her dad connect them over Instagram. And that very night, Coco messaged her. Okay, and what did she say in her message? Um, I can open it. She said, uh, hey Chelsea, I'm glad my dad sent your Insta. And I will admit that when she said my dad, it kind of bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's like, hey Chelsea, I'm glad my dad sent your Insta. I was hoping you'd want to meet up for lunch whenever you're available and we can meet slash catch up. I did respond maybe like four days later and I just let her know like, hey, just want to take my time. And then she was like, I completely understand. Um, And that was three years ago. Okay. So you haven't had any contact with her in three years? No. And have you seen your dad in that time? No. Okay. All right. So you basically just like put a pin in this whole other biological family thing. Yeah. Yeah. Three years is a long time to sit on a DM. But for Chelsea, there is so much riding on this potential relationship. And she's felt caught between two possibilities. Reaching out to Coco, or deciding she doesn't want any contact with this newly discovered family. It's kind of almost like God was like, well, I heard you. Here you are. Um, And now I'm like running from that opportunity. Because it wasn't given to me in the way that I had specifically Mm -hmm. asked for Okay, tell me more about why you're running. Because I'm just very scared. I'm very scared of what trouble I could cause in an already established family. The second thing holding Chelsea back is that she's terrified of being hurt. What if she meets Coco and Coco just doesn't like her? Chelsea's afraid of putting herself in a position where she could be rejected. Because that's something that's happened to her before. And not just with her biological dad. Chelsea had two best friends who were the closest thing she'd ever had to sisters. Then, almost overnight, they disappeared from her life. It got complicated, with boyfriends and crushes. But the loss of these relationships destroyed Chelsea's confidence in her ability to make and retain friends. I've always been insecure, so I would just turn on to me. I'm like, so there must be something wrong with me. Like, maybe just there is something wrong with me. Since then... Chelsea has been afraid of getting close to people, 
And that's made her so worried about getting in touch with Coco. So it's like I'm just so scared of me entering this relationship and her being like, mm, no. She'd be like, I don't really, I'm not really vibing with you. I don't really like you. Or like, what if we enter the relationship and I really do like her and like we get along, but she's like, no. It's again that like, it's not reciprocated the same. The only thing worse than never having a sister at all? Finding one and then having her reject you. So I just feel like right now, I know nothing. And like my life has been, it's, it's the same as it always has been. So kind of why ruin it? And like I'm, I'm still moving through really difficult parts of my life and I'm like piecing myself back together. So I'm very hesitant to like put myself in a situation where I could be hurt again and like mm-hmm. ruin all the progress that I've made for myself mentally and emotionally. Since those two sister-like friendships Chelsea told me about ended, her main relationships outside of her family are with her boyfriend and another close female friend. They've been in her corner as she's been dealing with all this new dad, new sister stuff. But Chelsea's friendship circle has shrunk in the last few years. And that's coloring the way she thinks about Coco's message and how to respond. And I think maybe one of the reasons that the stakes are so high or that they feel so high around meeting Coco is that, you know, not only do you have you been looking for a sister your whole life, but like you've, you know, you lost your close female friends and there's, you know, it doesn't sound like you have had a chance to replace them yet. So it's a lot of pressure on a single relationship. Yeah, I I do have a, a female friend now and like we're close. It's just it doesn't feel the same. If you also feel like you don't have the kinds of deep connections you want, let me share something with you. In the last few years, something like 90% of my clients have used the word community in our sessions, way more than before the pandemic. Almost everyone, when I ask them to sketch out the future they want, adds more friends or more quality time with friends. We are collectively in a friendship crisis. And I want to be clear here. While Chelsea didn't come to me for advice about making friends, How she thinks about friendships and opening up to new people could be getting in the way of this decision around Coco. So after I spoke with Chelsea, I called a friendship expert for some thoughts on how to forge and develop connections, especially after a breach of trust. I'm Rachel Wilkerson-Miller. I am the editor-in-chief of Self Magazine and the author of The Art of Showing Up, How to Be There for Yourself and Your People. I told Rachel about Chelsea's situation, And she pointed out that relationships with friends and family are foundational to our sense of self. So when they break or change in a fundamental way, that has a ripple effect. When that gets shaken up, it's not contained to that relationship. It's something that you're going to think about a lot. And it's going to kind of undermine your sense of security, your sense of trust in the world. It's this feeling of like, everything I thought was true is no longer true. And what does that mean? I pointed out that feeling jealous of Coco, like she couldn't measure up, was part of what was holding Chelsea back. I mean, I think that that is such a valid feeling. And I think if the wound is just still very recent, it's going to be a lot harder to feel loving and excited about this sibling that you didn't know you had. Chelsea feels guilty about taking years to make up her mind about whether to meet Coco or not. But Rachel says she shouldn't. I agree. And I actually think a lot of us could take a beat more often when relationships with friends and family are fraught. We can give ourselves time to process without feeling bad about not responding right away. 
there's a lot of like, it's family, it's the most important thing in the world, you have to find a way to move forward. And sometimes you're not ready, or sometimes that's just not possible. Like, you got to figure out, like, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing it because I feel guilty or obligated? Or because I think I'll be a good person if I do this? Like, it has to be coming from you and what you really want. Pressuring yourself into family relationships at the cost of your own feelings is not the way to go. And when it comes to Chelsea, she needs to weigh the potential benefits of reaching out against the potential risk. Going back to this idea of meeting Coco, do you feel like this could enrich your life or do you feel like the risk is just too high? I think if it all went well, I think it could definitely enrich my life. Um, I do want more relationships. I think that having that word that you mentioned again, community, I think having a strong community around you is absolutely important, especially for me to have like have kids. I don't just want our kids to be completely sheltered, just m- me, my kids and our, and my husband. Um, I want them to have family members and experiences like I grew up with aunts and uncles and cousins and like going to different family members houses. Um, and I want that for my kids as well. And I and I want those relationships for me, for myself as well. Mm-hmm. OK. And do you think if, if I help you make the decision that right now, yes, like you should reach out to her, you should explore this relationship, see what happens. Will you actually go do that? Or do you think like you're just you're too you can't you can't make yourself do it? As you were talking about, it, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, let me just grab my phone and message her now. But then, like the, I feel that insecurity. It's like it's like a little demon. It's like a little monster. It jumps out. and It's like, no, 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 no. She might not like you, girl. You might cause issues. So it's it's I it's there. The desire is there and I want to. It's just a matter of me hitting send before that little insecurity monster can like try to be like, no. Chelsea has spent so much of her life yearning for a sister that a casual, surface relationship with Coco would almost be worse than none at all. She's looking for deep connection. And I can imagine if you go in with that attitude, I could see how that would make you feel really frustrated if the person wasn't giving giving you what you want and sort of give you that feeling of like, well, never mind then. Forget it. I'm sorry I even did this. And it's like, and it's like kind of all in your head. You've like made up this whole story about them and about what how things should be. Whereas if you just go into it and say, I'm going to get to know this person and find out if we even have anything in common. Like, do we, aside from, ha- you know, being half siblings, but like, do we, do I like this person? Do I want to be friends with this person? Because you might not. And that's totally okay as well. Like lots of people don't have close relationships with family members because they're just very different people. This reminds me of the advice we heard back in Juanita's episode from therapist Courtney Leake. Stop having both sides of the conversation yourself. And I love Rachel's suggestion to start small. The goal doesn't have to be best friends forever. Set an initial goal of one good conversation. And don't be so desperate to get someone's approval that you forget to ask yourself, wait, do I like them? Do you have some advice for Chelsea about how to move forward, um, you know, with, with composure, with with openness, but also with maybe with self-protection as she explores a potential relationship with Coco, with her new half-sister. On the one hand, I think it's a good idea to know what you want out of it. On the other hand, I think it's good to temper your expectations and keep an open mind. So, you know, if your feeling is like, oh, I've always wanted a sister, work, she's going to be my best friend now, that might not be what she wants. So I think just kind of thinking through what you're hoping to get out of it, but just remembering there are two people involved in this. It might look different than you had envisioned. 
but it could also look better ultimately than you had envisioned because this is so new. It's very uncharted territory. So when it comes specifically to reaching out to Coco, one thing we haven't really talked about is like, maybe it goes really well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you really hit it off. I've never explored that option more in my mind. In my mind, it always just goes left instead of right. Like a good number of my clients, Chelsea has spent many hours imagining how badly things could go and zero imagining how well they could go. When you're making a decision, give the best case scenario at least a fighting chance against worst case. But that can be incredibly hard to do when anxiety keeps getting in the way. Yeah, I I recognize I'm the issue (laughs) a lot of the times. I just don't know how to move past it. I just I just have horrible anxiety and it spirals. It goes from one anxious thought to another. Like I try to think of an activity. I'm like, if we go get coffee, I'm like, I don't drink coffee. So are we just going to sit there and like talk at like Starbucks the whole time? Like, how long are we going to talk? Like, what are we going to talk about? What if we run out of things to talk about? Or what if we hit like the the loitering time limit in Starbucks now we have to go somewhere else where are we going to go like it's fall time so what are we going to do now I'm like two hours away from her so is she going to come here or is, am I going to go there does she drive okay 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 <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'm getting a peek into your brain right now I got it <laughs> right <clears throat> okay so you and I agree this is totally anxiety brain talking and I have a lot of clients like this where they're like on paper it's very clear what they should do and in in part of their brain and even like part of their heart they know what they want to do yeah like you want to reach out to her like you want to have a, a, you know, more relationships with women. This could be a possible sister like there's so much to explore here and there's so much potential. Like I can see that like you want the things that could come with this. Yeah. So how do we get from wanting something to doing something about it? How do we stop letting fear take control? Well, first of all, therapy. Second, try this little language hack. If we can make a little change in your mind where like every time you say what if, you can just say even if. Right. That can switch everything up. Right. Because when you say what if it's that is a statement that is like so full of fear. Right. Of all the things that could go wrong. And if you can just swap that out for even if. That changes it into a statement that, you know, it gives you more faith in yourself and your ability to to be okay no matter what happens. So, okay, even if she's not responsive, even if, you know, she she turns out to be somebody who you actually don't like, even if, you know, you turn out to be somebody she doesn't like, you'll be okay. Right. So just I'm just encouraging you to, when your mind starts going, what if, what if, what if, just see if you can even make that change of language. Yeah. And finally... Let's take the pressure off this particular situation. When it became clear that Chelsea was raising the stakes so much on her relationship with Coco, because she was really missing her relationships with her former friends, I suggested she take a different approach. Instead of sending a single message to Coco and then spiraling until she got a reply, send five messages. One to Coco, but then four more to other people that might be potential friends. These could be quick, hey, how are you, check-ins, or funny memes, or casual invitations to get coffee or hang out. Having more friends would benefit Chelsea no matter what happened with Coco. And it's pretty unlikely that Chelsea would get rejected five times by five different people. 
This might seem counterintuitive, but sending five messages is not five times as stressful as sending one. And expanding your chances of a yes has huge potential. When it comes to reaching out to your sister, to your biological sister, what do you think you should do? I think I should reach out to her. As our session came to an end, Chelsea and I talked about next steps. I've been sitting here anxiously thinking like the whole time you've been talking, like, what, what am I even going to say? Like, I, I want to send her messages. I don't even know what to say because it's been so long. I feel like I've just come out of the blue, be like, hey, I was thinking about you. Let's figure that out right now. <laughs> okay. You don't, it doesn't have to be a long message. It doesn't have to be a confessional message. It doesn't right. have to be a high stakes message. You don't have to reveal all your thoughts and yeah. feelings and anxieties, right? Yeah. So right there in our session, Chelsea started drafting a message to Coco. Hey, girl. Sorry for randomly popping up in your DMs three years later. Um, I've been dealing with some really heavy things in my life over the past few years, but have wanted to also connect with you for a while. If you're still down, I'd love to chat a little more and get to know each other and maybe plan something. I'm not in Toronto anymore, but maybe we can figure something out in the fall. Beautiful. Chelsea, I love it. That's like perfect. Okay, I'm going to... Take? You going to hit send? Yes, I am. In three, two, one. Oh, okay. I send it. Okay. Great. I am so proud of you. That is fabulous. Okay. okay. Oh my gosh. Like, I feel like I'm okay. going to cry. Couple deep breaths. That's okay. Fine. Yeah, go ahead and cry if you want. That is so good. I mean... This is, like, really a step forward for you. This is just awesome. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't think my boyfriend's going to believe me. Like, when I call him, when I leave, he's going to be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was so proud of Chelsea for pushing past the fear and just sending that message. You don't have to think about sending the message anymore. You don't have to think about reaching out anymore. The ball's in her court. Yes. Just put put the phone down. <laughs> go, go outside. <laughs> Look oh at a tree. Gosh. Yeah, my something chest like is that. So tight. Oh my goodness! I need a shot. <laughs> go have one. Go I'm, have oh, one. As yeah, soon as totally, I get, yeah. I'm going to have yeah. a nice tequila shot. I can't believe I, just, I didn't just, like, lie to you and be like, yeah, I sent the message. Like, I actually sent the <laughs> message. Like, I sent it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So thank you very much for, for pushing me out of my comfort zone. It's something I've been saying for a long time I need to do. I need to do it in a lot of aspects of my life. But this app was absolutely necessary. Um, so thank you very much. Our, our absolute pleasure, Chelsea. Thank you again. And, yes, go have a walk around the block, <laughs> a few deep breaths, shot of tequila if you need it. Yeah. Um, you deserve it. Thank you. <laughs> It's not often I get to hear someone take action on our decision right away, so I was thrilled that Chelsea took that step. I checked in with her a couple of months after our session to see what happened after she hit send. Start at the very beginning, you sent the message. Did you go have a shot of tequila immediately afterwards? Uh, Yeah, I did. I definitely, I had some, some stuff to help me relax a little bit. Coco replied right away. And they started to talk about meeting up. They live almost three hours away from each other, so it was hard to schedule. But Chelsea was having her birthday party in Toronto, where Coco lives. So she took a deep breath and invited her. Even though they were already in touch, Chelsea was nervous. What if it was too much, too soon? So she handed the phone to her boyfriend and got him to read Coco's reply. I was under the covers and I just I remember having my eyes closed the whole time. And every time he kept like trying to 
hint at what it said. I'm like, okay, wait, no, wait, don't like, don't read it yet. Like, don't, don't read it yet. Don't tell me. Then I'm like, okay, just go, just, just go. What does it say? He's like, it's a nice, just, she said, I'm like, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm like, wait. But when I did see her response, I was like, oh, okay, this, this is fine. Like, I felt just very happy. Coco said she'd come to the party. So my, my friend showed up and, and we were there for a few hours and we were having a really good time. And I didn't think she was going to make it because um, so many hours had gone by. But then all of a sudden she walked into the room and I was like so stunned. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, she she just she came. And we were just looking at each other like across the dance floor, like vibing, having a good time. And then as like kind of the party was closing, she was like, hey, like I'm going to head out. It's getting really late. And I was like, for sure. And she's like when are you next in Toronto? And I was like, I have no idea, girl. It's it's hard to schedule. So she just said, like, she'll message me and like, we'll figure something out. But that was kind of that was kind of it. It was almost like a like a soft launch. Do you think that um, now that you've met Coco and you spent a little time with her, have your expectations changed at all for for what you want out of the relationship with her? What I would like hasn't really changed, but my expectations have like, I'll just take one little thought about her. And then all of a sudden I've projected us 20 years in the future. I'm like, I wonder what kind of aunt she's going to be to my kids. Like, it's just like, right. it's like, uh, we're not there yet. So she does. I don't even know what her favorite color is. So, but yeah, it is, it is one day at a time. And like you said, things, things change all the time and people change and it's all out of our control, but I can kind of only take it moment by moment. That's easier said than done. Of course. We all want a Hollywood ending, where Chelsea and her sister run into each other's arms and become best friends forever. Instead, they danced around each other, both literally and figuratively. But what happened here was a first step towards a real relationship. An invitation extended and accepted. A promise fulfilled. This is an excellent beginning. There's the hope of more to come in time, but Chelsea has done the hardest part. There's an important lesson in Chelsea's experience for anyone making a big decision or anyone afraid to make a big decision. The result is important, of course, but it's the action of making the choice, of taking the big, adventurous step. That brings the lasting benefit. When you make a decision that scares you a little, you're opening yourself up to change, to newness, to possibility. This is the real reward. That's probably the most useful advice I can give for anyone struggling to make a hard decision. Take courage. It's always worth it in the end. And I'm just so thrilled that, like, you've kind of taken a step in this direction towards you know the beginnings of a relationship um with someone that you know you could you could become very close to over time yeah. and that like there if, if you didn't take that step the possibility of that happened was going to be zero thank you so much and thank you for pushing me over the edge because i would have just stood there and looked at the view the whole time so thank you very much <laughs> This has been an Audible original, produced by Audiation, written by Nell McShane Wolfhart and Max Wasserman, hosted by Nell McShane Wolfhart, executive produced by Sandy Smollins, Audible executive producer, 
Heather Juan Tesserero. Produced by Max Wasserman. Edited by D. Peter Schmidt and Paul Vidolins. Mixed and mastered by D. Peter Schmidt and Paul Vidolins. Vocal edit by D. Peter Schmidt and Paul Vidolins. Sound design by D. Peter Schmidt and Paul Vidolins. Original music by D. Peter Schmidt. Additional music by Paul Vidolins. Script editing by Susie Armitage. Casting by Max Wasserman. Associate producer, Matthew Rubenstein. Chief Content Officer, Rachel Giazza. Copyright 2024 by Audible Originals, LLC. Sound recording copyright 2024 by Audible Originals, LLC. I'm Nell McShane-Wolfhart, and you can find me at decisioncoach.com.